and we are recording. Thank you for doing this. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man, not a problem. And before we start, I want to say thank you for defending our country. I wanted to get that out of the way before we started the interview. No, I appreciate it. Thank you. Now, people might not know, but uh, <clears throat> we actually met through my uncle, that character. Oh, yeah. <sighs> yeah, he's, he's something. <laughs> he is something. Yeah. I saw a, uh, <laughs> one of the videos you were doing where he was uh, – where he was cooking with the Dutch ovens and oh yeah, on my YouTube channel. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he was cooking at the fire. Yeah, and it's he's he's been doing that for years because we generally do this thing called Guys Weekend every year, where all the guy or majority of the guys will you know get away from the women will come. Oh, absolutely. And he's yeah. he's the cook. He's absolutely. I mean, he does a great job. I mean, what, I, yeah. what were you saying? Sorry, I cut you off. He does no. He's good. He, he does a great job. I mean, he was he was our cook while we were there at the, on the hunting trip, and it was. I mean, the food was great. What was that? Um, how was that Operation Second Chance? Because I know that Jay talks a lot about it, but how was your experience with it? Uh, you know, I've never had a bad experience with it. Um, I I mean, they they go through like other guides and they they validate them all they meet them like they know all of them in, in person that way they actually like know how everything's going to go because i've heard of um some of some military veterans that are buddies of mine who have kind of been you know been a part of this this v, va or veteran trip and it turns out to be you know they're sleeping on a cot and they're eating stale donuts every day that were made like three weeks ago and it's just yeah so i mean they've, they've honestly i've i've never heard anything bad about an, a hunting trip or one of their guides or anything like that so yeah because for uh people that might not know um uh, there we go uh can you still hear me out, Cap? Oh, yeah. I hear you great. All right. Um, I wanted you to kind of explain, so that you were in the Army, correct? Yes. Yeah. And uh, yeah. just kind of explain what. So, yeah, yeah. So I was, uh, I was an infantryman in the Army. Uh, um, I got deployed to Afghanistan, and I got shot 10 times uh, while on patrol. So. Yeah, that's basically the gist of it. <laughs> Were you – did that thought ever cross your mind that, hey, I actually might – don't just going to sound really messy. Die? Die? Yeah, yeah. absolutely. It did. Absolutely. Um, you know, but you're taught, um, you know, like in combat lifesaver and stuff like that, that, you know, the as soon as you start having like – really negative thoughts, you go into shock a lot faster. Um, and, you know, honestly, the biggest killer of soldiers after an injury is going into shock and then bleeding out faster than you, you know, bleeding out faster and then dying. Um, that's shock is probably the biggest killer of soldiers who are injured. Um, so yes and no. Um, you know, I had that thought, um, then it was basically like no 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 think about something else think about something else like it was basically fighting to not think about the fact that i'm, I'm about to die um but yeah it was uh th there was definitely a couple times where it, it, it you know it, it ran across my mind a couple times 
I couldn't. I couldn't even imagine going through that. <laughs> I have a. I have a friend of mine because I was. I was watching your video how you were explaining everything, and uh, I have a friend of mine that's in the that's in the army right now, and yeah. I think a couple of years ago he did, he was deployed and he said the same thing that you did in that video where you literally go there and you are not. You do not feel welcomed. You do not no. Yeah, not at all. At all. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Everyone in, in the villages and stuff, I mean, they just, they, they don't want you there. Um, it's just, you know, they don't want you there because if you're there, then that means the Taliban are going to be there. And the Taliban treat them horribly. Um, you know, the Taliban, they, they rule off of fear. So the best way to basically take over a village in the area is to instill fear in that village, whether it be through torturing somebody in front of somebody or telling somebody that they're going to kill their family, like the only reason that they're there is because we're there. So they didn't want, they didn't want us anywhere near them. Right. They probably feel like, Hey, get out. And they won't, you know, get out and they'll leave us alone. And exactly, exactly. Get out and our country will turn, will go return back to normal. Right. Yeah. And I mean, they, they you know, it was very rare to find someone who actually helped us. Like, it was never like, you know, we went into these villages and we're, we're talking to them and we're trying to become friends with them, like, and we're trying to get information, but no one ever gave us information. No one, no one, we weren't as scary as the Taliban. Like, the Taliban were, could kill their family and we won't. So, right. I mean, at the end of the day, if someone's telling me they're going to kill my family and someone's like, Hey, we'll give you money. I'll be like, well, this guy's going to kill my family. So you can keep your money. Uh, so. Right. I, yeah. Just the whole situation is just. Uh, yeah. I, I couldn't it's, do it. So it's I, crazy. That whole situation is just, I couldn't do it. So I have to applaud anybody who, decides to serve our country i couldn't i couldn't do it well thank you thank you uh yeah it was, you know it was just a job you know I, I needed i needed money for family and that was a good way to get it um it was literally just a job i mean of course my whole family had been in the military so there was like something calling to me to be in the military um but at the end of the day it was it was a job you know Oh, just, I just, I, I rewatched your video today and then you just kind of describing on the situation that happened when you got shot and it, yeah, it's just, <laughs> I, mean, yeah, it's I, crazy. I don't mean it's to sound negative, bad. but it's just, oh no, you're good. I'm it, it's kind of, you know, I'm glad that you turned that negative into a positive and everything that you're able to do afterwards. Cause you know how, you know, not saying all, but you know, there's a lot of people who, you know, serve in the military and then they come back and, you know, they, you know, have serious PTSD, they're antisocial. There's so many issues mentally that Absolutely. Kind of go into a hole. And I, that's one of the things that I think is, you know, terrible is that, you know, there's some people who do that. And then, you know, they, you know, I feel like there's some people in the military are not appreciated enough. No, that's, that's absolutely true. Um, but you know, I, 
You know, I think, uh, you know, it all hasn't been, you know, easy, you know, I mean, it's, you know, you, you have those days where, you know, you want to feel, you know, down and depressed and, you know, thinking about all the bad and all that stuff. I mean, I went through it hard, um, especially going through like physical therapy and learning, learning how, how to walk again from getting shot in the hip and learning how to be left-handed because I was originally right-handed, but this hand doesn't work. So, I mean, there was, I mean, I still have days where some days are just better than others. Um, but, you know, I didn't want, I mean, I had, I, I knew people who had come back and, you know, committed suicide and they, once they committed suicide, they kind of just became a statistic. And I didn't, I didn't want to be a part of that. Like that, that's not what I wanted. Plus I had kids and I had a reason to push. Um, and, you know, I think that's what a lot of veterans when they come back and they kind of get in that rut. I think that that's the biggest issue is they don't have that, that reason or, you know, that, that new, you know, cause the military is like a purpose, you know, that that's your purpose in life is to be in the military, to do this job and do that. And then as soon as you get injured or you get told that you're getting out, like that purpose just, just stripped from you. So, you know, I was able to find a new purpose in archery and helping other veterans, um, and of course, you know, like I said, I had kids, my family. So, yeah. Do your kids have like not trying to be too personal, but like, do your kids understand what exactly all happened? Or um, so my my oldest daughter, she she understands that daddy got shot by the bad guys over in Afghanistan. She understands it because she sees the scars on my chest and on my all she sees my hand, stuff like that. My other kids are. You know they're too young right now to really to really get it. You know it's just the boo boo. Dad, dad has got boo boo. You know that's yeah. I mean yeah, I got I got a boo boo. But we're not gonna talk about it right now because you're not gonna understand. It. Like so, but yeah, but yeah, my oldest my oldest daughter understands and she you know she she's glad I'm here. I guess <laughs> sometimes unless she gets in trouble then then she's not not that glad. <laughs> I always kind of wondered with situations like that, like how do you explain that to your kid? Absolutely. You know, you just honestly, like with my kids, I try to be a hundred percent realism, you know, like, cause I mean, they're, the world isn't sugarcoated. So there's no reason for me to sugarcoat anything. Um, you know, if, you know, if, if, you know, if I got shot and almost died, like they're, they're going to grow up and they're going to, no friends that go off to war or go do this or that. I mean, the, the world is so crazy now, like that someone could be on vacation that they know and they could get shot and almost die. And if, you know, I don't want that to be like the first time that, like hearing something like that, you know? Right. Cause you never know. I mean, this, like I said, the world's not sugarcoated. So there's no reason to, you know, sugarcoat it now, especially with her. She's, you know, she, she's, she's getting older, so she's starting to understand more stuff. So absolutely. I think that is one of the issues now with, you know, society and everything else like that. Everything's kind of sugarcoated. Nothing is just, Hey, this is the way it is. You know, I always, I was always taught the quickest way is from point A to point B is a straight line. Don't take absolutely. Care. And I just feel like that, you know, if you don't sugarcoat it, you know, it's going to sound harsh, but you're going to get your point across. 100 percent i mean that's the thing like no you know you have to do stuff for yourself like no one's gonna do it for you you know and it's like with me like 
I could have given up, but I pushed and I, 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 I pushed, I pushed, I pushed every single day to get to where I am. And it's, I mean, if I can do it, anyone can do it. So yeah, I mean, I mean, every day is, you know, a blessing and you're going to have to every day strive to get to where you want to be. And it's, it's inspirational and motivated me. And, you know, it, that was one of the reasons like when uh, Jay contacted me and goes, Hey, you should have this guy on. And I watched it. I was like, it's most definitely. Cause you, you just, you're not, it seems like you're really positive. You know, you're just granted like you went, you know, part of my French, but you went through so much shit and you're oh, like, yeah. I'm still, I'm still happy. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, if there's anything that like almost dying taught me is that life is super short. Like it can be taken from you like that. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, what, what, what point is there to be pissed off and upset and mad at the world? Like really like get on with your life and go out and have fun, like make your happiness, go out and have a good time. Um, you know, and it's just, you know, life's short, man. Like, go go out and enjoy. Like, this world is beautiful. Go out and experience it. We can't experience it right now because everything's shut down. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just wear a mask. <laughs> oh, yeah, how's everything in Tennessee with that? Oh, uh, you know, it's not bad right now. Uh, Nashville, downtown Nashville, where I live, is completely shut down. But other than that, I mean... Which isn't, you know, great for me being in a band. You know, all the bands are basically out of work right now. So, right. I mean, that's what were you saying? I said so. That's fun. You know, we're we're all just kind of twiddling our thumbs and waiting for Nashville and all the other bars to open back up. Uh, And I feel I do stand up, and it's you can't. I haven't been able to do it for months, and it just sucks because you want to get up on the stage. You get you get that adrenaline rush when you're on stage, and oh yeah. Yeah. Like I've written, I've written three songs, and I'm like, man, I need to go cut these. And I'm like, oh yeah, everywhere's freaking closed. So yep. let's just play. I'm gonna have a full catalog by the time everything opens back up. <laughs> I feel like it's like I, I thought a lot. You know, with this whole quarantine and everything, I thought there'd be a lot of music dropping, like a lot of music from different genres, and it's like. And I was kind of of disappointed a little bit. Yeah. You know, the only people who can are people who have the ability or, you know, have a, have their own studios and stuff in their house or because all the other studios are just straight shut down. I mean, you can't get into them. Um, So people with studios in their house, they're able to still drop music and record and, you know, produce everything and stuff like that. Um, But a lot of, a lot of us have been doing like online stuff. uh, So we're working on, doing basically like an acoustic round table, um, virtual acoustic round table type thing. So we're working on that. I know Luke Combs has been doing a lot of like virtual stuff on his Facebook and, you know, all the virtual concerts and stuff like that. So I don't really care for those. Yeah, no, it sucks. Like <laughs> was I saw was it Garth Brooks is going to be doing a drive-in theater. Yeah. Concerts. Yeah. I don't know, man. Like you go to concerts, like not just to, you know, hear the music, but mainly for the atmosphere at the concert. Like when I'm at home and I'm listening to a live concert, like I, I can't get into it like I can when I'm 
at the concert, at the venue, and I'm listening to the music, and you're feeling the music through your body because it's so loud. You know? Right. And you just hear, and you just feel like the, you know, the bass hit your, in your chest. It's just moving Absolutely. you. It, it, I know exactly what you mean because I, I can listen to an Ozzy Osbourne album, but after seeing that man live, you can't, a live album don't cut it. Yeah. Nothing, nothing's ever going to, nothing's ever going to replace that. Exactly. <coughs> uh, was it? Yeah. I live in Michigan you know, everything, you know, we were doing good, but then the governor decided to, nah, we're going to dial everything back. Yeah. Well, the good part about Michigan is you just have to wait till everything freezes. So, I mean, you guys are good. Once the ice comes in, it kills everything. So you're fine. <laughs> don't say that. I hate this. I hate it. If there's one thing I like, I love this state. I don't get me wrong. I love this state, but the winters are atrocious. Oh man. Whenever we came down for that hunting trip, it was, it was winter time. And whew, whew, I'm from the South, man. Like whew, it was cold. And you're probably wondering, you're seeing Jay out there in just a sweatshirt and you're like, what the hell? I know. He's wearing shorts and a sweatshirt. I'm like, dude, no, like, don't do, don't do that. Don't, you're, you're going to get hypothermia. You're going to die. Like, I'm going to watch it. That's going to be horrible. But hell no, it's every day. It's every day for that guy. Oh, yeah. Was it, there was one thing he wanted me to, wanted me to mention to you something about in Kentucky that you're, you have, you have a certain position that you don't know exactly what it is. I can't remember what it was. I have no idea. I'm originally from Kentucky. Originally. I'll, but I have no idea. I'll send him a text and hopefully it'll come up randomly during the interview. Oh, yeah. But uh, why archery? Were you always into it or um, was it just something that you found afterwards? So, no, it was actually something I found afterwards. Um, so whenever you get to a WTB, which is a warrior transition battalion, which is basically like people who were, you know, wounded, ill, or injured, um, they go to these specialized units within the Army to basically go help you with your care. Um, and so I went through the WTB at Fort Riley, um, and it was – Whenever you first get there, they give you this list of like all these adaptive sports, and I was like, "Hell yeah, adaptive sports!" Like I grew up playing baseball. Like I grew up, I grew up playing sports. Let's do this. Um, and all the all of them were like yoga and like all that. And I was like, "No, like uh, no, like I don't want to do." I'm six foot four, two hundred and forty pounds. I'm not going to be doing yoga anytime soon. Um, and uh, you know, I saw and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, I'll try that. Why not? Let's give it a shot. Um, so I went out there, and since I'm originally right-handed, like I was drawn back with this hand, with uh, you know the wrist release on your your wrist. I was drawn back with this hand. Well, I realized that like six arrows into the ceiling later, that I can't feel anything in this hand. So like it was accidentally hitting the trigger when I was like drawn back and I was shooting arrows into the ceiling. And the guy who was doing archery there, who actually became my coach was like, listen, man, you need, you need to stop. Like you're, you're destroying arrows. You're destroying this building. Like you need to stop. And, 
So I was like, man, what the, what? Like I enjoyed it for like the three arrows that I actually hit on the target. It was awesome. And I was like, no, like, like I went home that night and I was like, man, there's gotta be a way. Like there has to be a way that I can do this. Um, you know, I got in touch with the guy who was running the archery stuff and I was like, listen, I'm not giving up. There's gotta be a way to do this. And he was like, well, have you tried left-handed? And I was like, no, dude, I'm right-handed. What are you talking about? And he's like, no, you're not anymore. Well, well, number one, you're an asshole. (laughs) Number two, yes, you're right. So he's, he was, he's a combat injured, uh, combat injured infantryman also. So we, you know, we're, we're allowed to give each other shit and that's just part of it. Um, but yeah, he was like, just try left-handed man. And so, uh, I shot maybe like six arrows left-handed and I was like, yeah, this is it. Like I'm hooked. Um, I was shooting really well. Uh, so well, in fact that he was like, man, you ever tried competitive archery? And I was like, I was like, dude, archery's for hunting. Like, shut up. Like, please don't tell me there's competitive archery out there. Um, but yeah, uh, who knows? I mean, there is competitive archery. Um, so, you know, I shot my first tournament and I won and I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is happening. Like, this is cool. Um, I kind of just fell in love with it, you know, like all the PTSD and depression and all that crap, uh, when you're there and you're shooting, that just disappears. Um, and it's like when I'm on, when I'm standing on the line and I load the arrow for those seven seconds that I get up in the anchor and before my shot, like everything disappears. The only thing that I'm thinking about for those seven seconds is what I need to do to execute a perfect shot. And those, I mean, those seven seconds were, I mean, they were life changing. Um, because I mean, that, that was my therapy. Um, so that's kind of why archery came to be. Have you actually tried hunting or is it more competitive? Um, so yes, I have. Um, I haven't shot anything with an arrow yet. I feel like I should by this time. Like I feel like my my archer card may have just got like a, a corner cut off of it because of the fact that I haven't killed anything with an, an arrow yet. Um, I was going to. I was going to bring my bow to Michigan, but then I was like, I don't want to do that. Like, that's too much crap. Like, I don't want to bring that. Um, but yeah, you know, may, maybe if I go back to Michigan, maybe, maybe I'll, I'll bring my bow this time and actually kill something with an arrow. For sure. Or if you do, you need to kill an elk. Could you imagine that? You would kill be an elk. I'm okay with that. I'm okay with that. I mean, we, I could tell that story forever. Let's do that. That's one animal. Like, I just I just recently got into you know, you know guns and you know I wanted to go out hunting and everything else like that. And that's just one animal you look at and go, just it's gorgeous, exactly. incredible. I mean the sound between the sounds they make to the way how big they are, and I mean they're just beautiful animals. Um, I would love to kill an elk with an arrow. Um, I did actually kill a black bear in Canada with an arrow, but it was out of a crossbow. So like, it depends on who you talk to, but that doesn't really count. What, were you hunting it or was it more self-defense? No, I was hunting God, if it was self-defense, we'd be having a whole different conversation. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, I feel like that wouldn't have worked out very well for me unless I made the perfect shot. I mean, it, I mean it, stuff, weird, weird things have happened. That's so true, though. That's so true, but no, uh, 
you know, it was, it was, uh, so I'm sponsored by HHA and, uh, me. So I'll, I'll give you the backstory of HHA and how this became. So HHA is a side company, um, for archery and me and the other archery coaches for the army team, we met with them and talked to them about possibly sponsoring the warrior games, which is where I coach at and stuff. Um, which is kind of how I got my foot into the para program with through archery um, was through the warrior games. Um, but we met with them. We talked with them, told, you know, we talked to them about sponsorship for the warrior games and, you know, the, the army sponsorship and archery team and all that stuff. And we became part of their King's court. So we were with like, there's different tiers of sponsorship. Um, and me and the other coaches became part of their King's court through HHA. And they actually, they wanted to do this, um, this pilot program where they brought veterans to certain places and sent them on a hunt. Um, so me and the other two coaches who are good friends of mine now, which our head coach who I coach with was actually the guy who told me that I'm no longer left right-handed anymore. And he was the one that I shot all the arrows into the ceiling. And he told me I needed to stop. Um, but yeah, so we, uh, you know, we, they were doing this program where they were sending veterans out on hunts. Um, and we were the first people to go because they wanted to, to send us out and see, you know, how it was, the guys that they picked and everything else. So we went to Canada. Um, I can't remember the name of that damn place now. It's out in the middle of nowhere. Um, but they have, you know, black bear out there and they sent us on a black bear hunt. It was a crossbow hunt. So, yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. It's crazy because in Canada, like, like I'm, I'm from Tennessee. So I'm used to waking up at like four or five o'clock in the morning, getting out to the stand. Well, in Canada, it doesn't get dark till 11 o'clock at night. So we didn't even go out and start hunting until the afternoon. Like it was like, Oh no, just sleep in, man. Like, don't worry about it. Like, what? what? Like I actually get to eat like a real breakfast. Hold on. This is weird. Like this isn't hunting. Um, but yeah, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> Yeah, it was weird. Like, you, this is gonna sound a stupid question, but like, was it just for like you? Like, is there any meat you can get off of? Uh, yeah, off of a bear or no? Yeah, absolutely. So, because of the price of bringing meat from Canada to the states, we actually ended up donating the meat to uh, the locals over in the area. Um, but yeah, they they actually, I mean, they'll eat almost all of it. We actually ate some, we had dinner one night and we had some bear meat and it was, it was, it wasn't bad. Like I've had way worse. So is it like really yeah. tough or yes and no. I mean, it's so think about like uh like a piece of steak. That's just a little bit too chewy. Like that's it. Like it's not horrible, but it's not like the greatest thing you've ever tasted. Um, but you know, the, it depends really with bear, like when you kill them, because there's times when they have a lot of fat on them. So, I mean, and the fat is the best part, like right. absolutely the best part. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's times when, you know, sometimes it's, it's tough and sometimes it's not as tough and it's, it's a little bit more fatty. So yeah, really depends on the time. 
what was your thought process when you saw that bear and you're like, holy shit, that's a bear. I was like, I'm going to shoot this son of a bitch. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, that's, that one's it. Like, no. So I wanted to go. So if you watch, like, if you go to YouTube and go to like HHA site or they have like a whole video thing of us um, doing it. But at one point in time, there was a black bear that was, it was like a blonde black bear. So it looked like a legit, like brown grizzly bear. And I was like, dude, I want to shoot that thing. But it kept moving the entire time. So there was no way that I could because there was not ever a clean shot. Like it just kept moving. It wouldn't stop. It would, I mean, and when it did stop, it was behind a tree. So I was like, dude, like, and it was massive. Like it was hands down the biggest black bear I've ever seen. Um, but that, that was the one that I wanted. But so, you know, I, I settled for a black bear that was pretty, pretty big. I mean, easily, easily 400 pounds. So, Jesus. He was a big one. So, uh, I saw something. I follow this page on Instagram called Nature is Metal. Yeah. Any, anybody who doesn't follow that, that's a great freaking page to follow. Because, I mean, it's just a bunch of, like, just nature and everything. And you, I saw... I think it was a black bear. They put the they put some like they put their hand next to the paw. Yeah, and it's just it's unbelievable. It really is. It's like even a small bear. If you take your hand and put it next to like the just the size of that paw is unbelievable. That's. I think there's a black bear sighting here once, and everybody was freaking out. Oh shit! <laughs> I believe that. I would have been like, get the gun. Let's go. Exactly. Which is crazy. You would think like Michigan, like you would have a lot more black bear out there. Like I feel like it would be a huge number. Sorry, we're cooking ribs right now in the Instapot. It sounds, it sounds delicious. So I'm okay with it. Oh, it is. <laughs> and it's not like a, it's not like smoke, but, but yeah, it's so. For everybody that's listening, that's what's in the background right now. But nah, I completely forgot what we're talking about. <laughs> Black Bears, Michigan. Oh, yeah. See, I'm the one with TBI. I, so there you go. I probably have uh, – I played contact sports when I was growing up, so I say I probably have CTE. Oh, yeah. It, it, it's, it's, okay. it's, I'm not saying you – know, it's a terrible thing, but if you can't find humor in it, then – Absolutely. You know, and that's the thing, like, people are always like, you know, like, especially like when they hear like, like fellow veterans, especially combat veterans, when we just give each other crap, like nonstop, like they're like, dude, like, what do you, and it was like, dude, if we can't laugh at ourselves, like, like why, why, why even be a part of this? Like, that's like, you have to be able to laugh at yourself. Like there's so many things that I've done and I'm like, wow, I am an idiot. And like you know, you just gotta, just gotta take it for what it is, right? And also, like when you know, I'm pretty sure it's like this in the military. You know, you you know, you bust each other's balls and everything else like that. And you just learn not to you learn to take it with a grain of salt and don't take it personal. Absolutely, it's never personal. Usually, if they're giving you shit, it means that you're their friends. So exactly, and it's like, well, how can you say that you're a piece of shit? Yeah, you don't hang out with my friends. Yeah, hundred percent. 
Like we have, we have friends that like, I have friends that are, you know, missing legs and missing hands and, you know, stuff like that. You know, I, I have a buddy who's missing a hand and every time he, when he walks around, he just looks confused. Like he's one of those guys that like when, when he's just walking around, he just looks like he's lost. Like he shouldn't be where he's at right now. Um, you know, every time I'm like, I'm like, dude, what's wrong, man? Did you lose your hand? Did you lose it again? Like, are you serious? And everyone around is like, oh, and I'm like, I'm like, dude, like, like, I don't know if it's the fact that we like giving each other shit or we like the fact of like, everybody's faces after we say something so bad. So, yeah. <laughs> or like, or like, you know, my, my buddy, you know, is missing a leg and when he's wearing jeans, you can't tell. Like, you cannot tell at all. So, like, he'll just randomly just, like, like say something. I'm like, dude, just take your leg off. And people are like, what? And then he just pops it off. And they're like, oh, my God. I'm like, holy, okay, he really doesn't have a leg. Like, it's gone. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Like, that was the just, one there's a weird humor that we have. That was the one thing I thought, for like, for the longest time, I always thought that, you know, uh, maybe, you know, I kind of have to watch what I say around people who, you know, were in the military and i realized that they kind of had the same sense of humor where you know it's just not serious it's just absolutely man and you'll you'll notice like you know, you know there's a lot of people who are like scared to come up to some veterans you know and they're like oh well, i don't know what to say blah 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 and then like you really like talk to like 90 percent of us and we're all like we're we'll give you shit just like you can give us shit. Like it doesn't like we're cool dudes. Like there's nothing like we're, we're literally no different. A lot of us take life a lot less seriously than you do. So I promise you that. So, yeah. I, um, on a different note, I wanted to bring this up because, uh, obviously, you know, you're in the military, so you went through boot camp mm-hmm. and did, obviously it's not like, a walk in the park, but how intense is boot camp? Um, you know, I think it, it all depends. So, uh, you know, someone who was in like Vietnam, their their idea of boot camp is a hell of a lot different than you know someone who's going there right now, um, because you know the the army's gotten softer. Um, you know, they're not really allowed to yell at you anymore. Um, you know, the, the world's getting softer, so the Army has to get softer, too. Um, so, you, you know, they're not allowed, to, not allowed to yell at you anymore. They're not allowed. You know, there's no physical contact. Like, back in the day, they used to be able to beat the hell out of you. Like, if you were wrong, you, you got your ass kicked. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm still okay with that. It should still be that way. Um, especially for, like, the combat MOSs. Like, I feel like, you know, we're, we're asked to do in- – violent things to bad people so like there, there's kind of like a you know a frame of mind that you you should have um and you know like this this like safe space stuff and you know oh i need a break i need i need to pull this part out and this means that i get a break and like i i feel like that's that's a cop-out and when you get deployed and you get to that war zone where there is no safe space like you can pull that card out but that guy that enemy dude it does not give a shit you're gonna get attacked regardless um you know and i feel like we've you know especially on the combat side we've lost a lot of that 
Um, so boot camp for me, I mean, it wasn't, it really wasn't that bad. You know, I hate running. So that was probably the worst part. Um, I actually, honestly, like looking back at it, basic was fun. Like I enjoyed every second of it. Um, other than the running, cause I hate that. I don't like running. Um, but yeah, other than that, I really enjoyed it. I, I've, I would have 100% gone back or become a drill sergeant and done it again. Because, so. like, I always thought with, like, with, uh, with boot camp, it's like we, we're going to break you down mentally and then we're going to build you right back up. Oh, no, they 100% do that. Absolutely. Um, you know, but when, when I went into basic, I was a little bit older. You know, I was, like, 22. Um, you know, there were people who were, like, 18, 17, 18, um, that have never been away from home and, you know, would cry at night and stuff. And I'm like, dude, this isn't even that bad. Like I've like, at this point I've been through life for a while. Like that, what, what you're going through right now isn't that bad, man. Um, but you know, they're, they definitely break you down, um, both physically and mentally. Um, that's honestly a lot of the reason why we do so much like working out in basic is because it's a way for you to not only physically break down, but mentally as well. Um, and then, like I said, you're, you're in a combat MOS, so they, they have to build you up to be where you need to be in a certain mindset. So they, they, they have to break you down and build you into what the military needs you to be. Right. I was like, you know, not trying to, you know, about situations that are going on, but I kind of felt like, Sorry for my cat. She's really, really. It's okay. Scared. He he wanted to get in on this too. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> uh, what was it? It was the whole thing about you know everything that's been going on with the whole police and everything. And I feel you know mm-hmm. I just feel like that, like the whole stupid thing of defunding the police. That's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Yeah, I mean, why why would you take away means from the people who protect you? Exactly. It's the same thing that we were going through, you know, with the military, like talking about, you know, cutbacks and drawbacks and all that. Like, why would you want to get rid of the force that keeps us, like, that stops? When when enemies think about, you know, coming over here and, you know, invading or doing any of that stuff, like, the thing that stops them is the fact that we have, the strongest, largest military in the world. So why, why do you want to break that down? Like, exactly. It makes no sense. Um, and yeah, like the whole police thing, you know, I mean, of course there's, you know, it sucks and, you know, there, there's, there's definitely bad cops. I mean, there's bad cops. There's toxic leadership in the military. There's bad guys out there. I mean, that's just part of it. Um, you know, and it's, you know, not every cop is like that. Just because right. one cop is a piece of shit, piece of shit person doesn't mean the rest of them are. I have a lot of friends of mine who are fantastic people that are cops. Um, so, yeah, I know a couple of people who I do um, jujitsu with that are cops and nicest nice. fucking people. Absolutely, some of the some of the best people you ever meet. It's like, dude, what? Yeah, so, but the, I think was well, I was listening to. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Joe Rogan. And uh, I was listening to a podcast he did with a guy who was a Navy SEAL called um, Jocko Wilnick, I think is how you say his name. Yeah. And he said something that was smart. And he was like, you know, that, you know, that the police should be trained a little bit similar to how the military should be trained. 
Absolutely. That, you know, that, that training should never, you know, obviously in the military training never stops. For sure. hundred percent. That's your life. And, uh, you know, I, it was just a lot of things, you know, that he was making sense. Like, you know, psych evaluations and, you know, cause obviously, cause obviously there's a lot of police officers who have PTSD and that's Absolutely. the word. And it's not a great idea to have somebody with PTSD going up to somebody's car for, a, for a random traffic stop. hundred percent. hundred percent. I mean, even if you look at us, like not, not only are we training every day, the active side, you know, the reserves and national guard, yeah, you know, they're, they're whatever. Um, <laughs> Uh, but you know, the active side, we're literally training every day, like 24 seven training. That's what we're doing. That that's our job is training. Um, but when we get deployed and we come back, like even guys who didn't get hurt have to go through some form of psych evaluation. So the fact, you know, you know, and I think, you know, they're, especially for cops, man, like, I don't know, like, you know, there, there's one thing about like, you know, joining the military and volunteering to be a mili- like in the military, volunteering to be, you know, in the combat arms, knowing that you're probably going to deploy to a foreign country. You're going to have to go to war. You know, there's one thing about fighting a war somewhere else, but I, I mean, it's completely different, like being home and having some crazy stuff happen, like having to draw your weapon and fire on somebody like at home, like in, in, in the United States, like that's, that's a whole nother side that I, I wouldn't even want to experience. Yeah. <laughs> Sound like you have a little rambunctious house going on right now. Oh yeah. I got kids running around yelling and stuff in the other room. So. <laughs> well, um, was there anything that you learned while being in the military that you use like today? Like not like, um, Man, honestly, I feel like everything I do in some way, shape, or form was kind of shaped through the military between, like, you know, work ethic and, you know, being like being polite and being, you know, honest with people, being tactful when you talk to somebody, um, especially about certain things, um, you, you know, being, you know, trying to stay somewhat, you know, neat and tidy and, you know, having a good appearance and, you know, just, you know, the, the we'll never quit attitude, you know I mean? It's part of our, part of our deal is that we never quit. Um, so, you know, that's, that kind of pushed me through a lot, you know, knowing, you know, that that's, that's something we don't do. Like we don't, we don't take our lives. We don't quit. Like we just push through whatever it is and we adapt and overcome, especially like, being injured and, you know, helping other injured veterans with learning how to shoot archery and stuff like that, like adapt and overcome has like legit became like a motto in my life. Um, you know, because, and it's, I mean, it's perfect for the world. Um, because, you know, there, there's always going to, you know, it's always, it's, it never ceases, you know, to fail. There's always going to be one moment where you're like, man, this is great. And then there's going to be three moments where you just get smacked in the head. Um, you know, and it's, there's never, it never ceases to fail that you're always going to get beat down, but you just need to push through. And especially in life, man, life is so tough. Um, and that's another thing, man, like getting deployed was super easy. 
Like you only had one thing and that was to stay alive. Like he's here. You got bills and you got all, you know, all this other stuff. You got kids to take care of. Um, but yeah, you know, and you, you know, it's just never quit. Adapt and overcome. Like if something happens, cool, run with it, you know, change direction and move on. You know? I always kind of thought it was like, uh, and I guess I never really thought of it like that. They're saying, you know, you only have one thing here. Stay alive. Yeah. That's literally it. I mean, you went on missions and stuff, but all that stuff was briefed before. Um, so you knew, you know, that mission wasn't your, that reason you were there. Like that one mission wasn't it, you know, you, you're, you know, you're, you're one thing that you had to worry about was staying alive and keeping your buddies alive. Like that, that's a simple life. Like that's easy. Like well, we let's do that. Like I could do that forever. Like this, like you know, bills and work and kids and you know, having to, you know, and that's another thing with the military. Like there's a chain of command. So like you don't have to worry about feelings. Like if I'm if I'm at the top of the chain of command, I'm gonna tell you what to do, and you're gonna listen to it. And but here in you know the civilian sector, if I tell someone what to do. You know, they could be like, oh, well, I feel like this and this and that. But it's like, well, shit, now I got to worry about, you know, what I'm saying, like what what to tell them to do. And that's you know, completely different. Right. Yeah. I, I feel like, the, you know, it's like, you know, if your boss tells you to do something, even if you don't agree with it, just do it. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, there's people that, you know, oh, well, you know, that, you know, that, 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 did, that made me feel like this and I don't want to do that. Well, you know, it's just like. Like, so much easier. So much easier of a world being deployed. Which is crazy because you're at war. Like, getting shot at. Like, literally, people are trying to kill you every day. Like, that, that is what they wake up to do, is to just kill you or hurt you in some way, shape, or form. But life in the States is harder than that. I... I mean, from what I understand, I mean, obviously I can't say that, oh, I, you know, I feel that. I mean, from what I understand, it's like what that's one one of the reasons why there are some people who, you know, they get out of the military and then they end up, you know, cutting their life short is because there's no purpose. Because when you're Absolutely. when you're at war, you know, you're there to protect your brothers, mm-hmm. brothers and sisters. Yep. And uh when you've gone, when you come back to civilian life, it's not like that anymore. Absolutely. You know, and it's, it's crazy. Like whenever you, you're in the military, especially when you deploy, you see like, you know, the reason why the camaraderie is so like, so significant is because of the fact that everyone is there for each other. You know, I'm there for him so that I could take care of him. My job when I was deployed was, to take care of was to find IEDs. So my job was to make sure that I took care of everyone that they didn't step on IEDs in the States. It's not like that. Like if my, like I'm going to take care of me and that's it. Like, I don't care what that person wants or what that person needs. I'm going to take care of what I need. And that's 100% like literally the, and that, that's why like people are like, man, I just miss that camaraderie because when you're there, you're, you are dead set on the fact of being there for your brothers and sisters, and that's it. When you're here, everyone is for themselves. 
there's no longer, you know, that camaraderie doesn't exist because of the fact that everyone wants what they want. Um, you know, unfortunately it's kind of a pain in the ass sometimes. Yeah. I was going to, one thing I was going to ask was how did like, was it a hard transition from when you were in the military and going back to civilization life? Well, besides like the, the obvious. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. Not only with the disability, um, but you know, also like having to get back into, you know, being like having a family and taking care of the kids and all that stuff, you know, like it's not, I mean, of course you do it in the military, but there's a lot of stuff that's taken care of by the military. So your, you know, your health insurance, a lot of veterans come out and they don't have a high enough VA rating. So their health insurance isn't taken care of anymore. Now they have to have their own health insurance. They have to pay for their own house because in the military, if you have a family, your home is paid for, or you get money to go toward rent if you're living off post. You can't do that anymore. Now you're having to do that here in the civilian sector. And, you know, and honestly, the hardest, like one of the hardest parts was the amount of time of the day. Um, because w- when you're in the military, every, like you are on a schedule from the time you wake up to the time you go to bed. Like there's, there's a set outline for everything that you're going to do that day. When you're in the civilian side, like it's incredible. Like that was the thing that hit me the hardest was like, okay, well I'm up at 6am. Well now like what, what, what am I supposed to do? Like there's so much time in the day. Um, you know, and a lot of people get stuck, you know, in their, their rooms or in their apartments and they just play video games and they do nothing but think about all the crap that happened and, you know, having to you know, literally relive everything that happened over and over again because they're just isolating themselves and they're not, like, getting out and doing stuff, um, you know. And that's, that's a lot of reasons why I like helping vets with archery is because it'll give them a reason to get out and go out and do stuff. Um, you know, because of the fact that there's 3d archery where you can shoot the fake animals, there's the field archery that I shoot where you shoot at targets. And, but either way you're out there, you're, you're engaging with people. You're out there walking around nature. Like you're out of your, out of your room or out of your house and you're actually doing stuff. Um, you know, it's really easy to slip into, a very dark place when you're by yourself and you're just sitting there. Right. Um, it's a lot harder when you're out doing stuff and, you know, you're engaging with people and you're, you're, you know, you're interacting and you're, you're, you're seeing that not, you know, not everyone is going to let you down. Not everyone is going to do this. Not everyone, you know, making friends again, stuff like that. So, yeah. Yeah, because I was about to say, because like with the military, it seems like when you're on deployment and just even when you're even just stationed in the United States, it seems like it's like a family. Absolutely. 100%. Absolutely. 100%. And you know, a lot of um, vets, when they get out, they don't think they're going to find that. So they don't even look. Like it's not something that they go out and do. But, you know, it's, it's incredible. Like if you actually get out there and interact with people and meet them and talk to them, you can actually build that those relationships again. Like you can actually have that family unit where they come over for dinner, where you go over there for dinner, you know their family, they know your family. Like there's you can do that again. You just have to get out there and put yourself out there. And a lot of vets don't do that. Why do you think that is? 
You know, um, so it, it really depends. You know, there, there's like the combat guys who, you know, have lost um, good friends or they've lost, um, you, you know, they've lost a couple of their friends and stuff like that. And, you know, a lot of it is, you know, you know a fear of losing again. Um, so, you know, it's it's crazy. But even even I deal with it sometimes where, you know, I lost two of my really good friends over in Afghanistan. So, you know, sometimes I even deal with it where it's like, you know, you, you don't want, you don't want to build that relationship because eventually they're just going to be gone anyhow. Um, and you don't want to have to deal with that again. Um, you know, you get set in that mindset, especially if you've been on like multiple deployments where you've lost a bunch of people. Um, it gets even worse. So you just kind of lock yourself in a room and you stay by yourself because it's the easiest way to stay away from getting hurt again like that. Um, so, and a lot of people deal with it, but then they don't realize that being alone and being by yourself can also really hurt you. Um, so you have to get out there. You have to make friends, man. Exactly. Just Absolutely. Isolating yourself just causes more hurt than hundred percent because then you start getting into your mind and then you start, you know, mm-hmm. you actually might become crazy and then nobody for sure. And then you got you to gotta hang out in a padded room for the rest of your life and you don't get to do anything. That sucks. No one likes that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what is it? one of the things I always thought was that if you served in the military, no matter what, free room and board. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's if you live on post, absolutely. Everything is paid for. Um, but if you live off post, they give you a certain amount and then that goes towards your rent. Right, a friend of mine that's in the mil- that's in the army. He just moved out of the barracks, and he was like, "Dude, I'm so happy. I don't have to live oh, yeah. there anymore." <laughs> the barracks is great, but it's also like horrible. So the barracks, like barracks parties and stuff, are crazy. Like people just get crazy. I mean, you put especially maybe in an infantry unit, you put a bunch of dudes who get drunk, especially like a bunch of dudes who just turned 21. And they really haven't figured out how to like really drink yet. And they just get super drunk all the time and they do stupid shit. It's hilarious. It's awesome. But it's also horrible because of the fact that so many people get in trouble doing such stupid stuff at the barracks. I mean, I used to I used to do barracks inspections when I when I got when I became an E5 um, at the WCB and Oh my God, man. So much horrible, crazy stuff that I've seen. And it's just like, what? Like, that's the best part about the military is you realize that you're not really that messed up. Like, like you meet some people that you're like, dude, how have you lived your life this long? Like, how are you still here? Like, they there's no way. Like, there's no way you're still like am i am i am i not seeing what i'm seeing like there's no way someone's that dumb um but man it's it makes you feel so much better about yourself like it doesn't matter what you do because nothing can top what that idiot just did so yeah i mean and stuff like that yeah so when i was at the wtb I, i used to do room inspections and stuff every once in a while but yeah how was that? Man, crazy shit. Uh, I mean, it was uh, it was it was an experience every time. It was an adventure, literally every time. Uh, you never knew what you were going to find, uh, whether it be, you know, 
the the hooker that works at the the strip club hanging out and the oh dude you have no idea um or you know someone's someone's wife just happens to be sleeping in the bed with one of the one of the soldiers oh that, that was a good one um oh how about the one that i walked in on whenever it this these people had um nutella literally spread all over their body literally they fell asleep after drinking so much they just passed out woke up and the nutella was like hard and like crusty and it was all over their body and there was three of them i didn't know there was three of them until i opened the fucking closet and saw that there was another one laying in there that passed out in the closet full of nutella and the worst part about it was i thought it was shit first and i was like oh my god i was like please tell me like i've seen two girls one cup do not tell me this is what it is. <laughs> like, no, no. It was, oh. uh, so much great stuff. People bring, like, people bring in their, their motorcycles into their rooms and stuff. One guy had a full engine just hanging out in his room that he was working on. Like, not like, what? Like, you, how did, number one, how did you even do this? Because this is amazing. And that's the number, <laughs> and that's another thing, like, you, you'll see these like these privates and stuff or just crazy people that you're just like, how did you do this? And like, like, how is that even possible? Like how in the hell did someone think of this? Like, there's no way that someone with a regular mind can be like, you know what? This is a great idea. I bet you I can do this and then pull it off. Like it's, it's incredible stuff, man. I mean, it's just, it's yeah, I, literally like, if you want to, if you want to build something, if you want to change the world, just take a bunch of privates in the military and put them all together and they'll come up with the greatest shit you've ever seen. So you're coming up like, to them with a notepad going, how did you do this? I know. Like, how did you, how did, okay. Number one, how did you do this? Number one, how did you not, or number two, how did you not die? And number three, like, do you remember this? Were you drunk when this happened? And now you don't, you don't have any idea. Like, Oh my God, man. Unbelievable stuff. I heard about the story, like like the parties in the barracks, but I never. I a friend of mine, he would do the same thing, and he didn't hear those type of stories. But the, that oh yeah, that was hilarious, dude. It, that happens so much; it's unreal. These, so the you know the 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 the, the freaking the dancing girls at the strip clubs. They'll, they'll just hang out, you know, they'll, they'll meet someone who just joined the military and they'll be like, hell yeah, here we go. I'm about to get that money. So they'll, you know, be buddy, buddy, you know, he'll fall in love with her because it's the first girl who showed him attention since he, you know, since forever, because in high school he, he was kind of a loser. And then, and now they're married and we get deployed and she leaves him and takes all of his money. No shit. Really? Weird. It's weird. It's like that's ha- happened so Like, hold on, hold on. Yep. A private just married a stripper. Like, it just happened. I felt it. I could hear it happen. Like, my spidey sense was tingling. Like, it's like every 30 seconds, like, that happens. Uh, <laughs> do you get mad at the stupidity or do you applaud the. I mean, some of it you get pissed off at, but some of it you're like, 
Like, I'm genuinely impressed. Like, of course, I have to, like, counsel you, and you, you're going to have to get in trouble for this, but I'm, I'm legit impressed. Like, I don't even know how that's possible, but I am. Um, like, we had a guy in basic. So, basic training is super easy, right? Actually, this is the military in general. Be where you're told to be, wearing what you're told to wear, and be on time. Freaking easy, right? For anybody in the world, that's easy. This guy, so we had to do fire guard and basic training, which is basically where you know you take a shift throughout the night where you have to stand. So, this guy, at some point, we had gotten woken up by the drill sergeant and was like, okay, you guys are going to start pushing for a long time. And we're like, dude, what is happening? Like, this drill sergeant pissed at us. Like, what, what happened? Um, and turns out this dum-dum was wearing our uh, physical training shorts. He was wearing an ACU top. He was wearing one gym shoe and one boot, and he was wearing the gray shirt underneath the ACU top. And it was like, and his shoes weren't top. It's like, dude, how? Like, what? Like, in what world does that even make sense, bro? Like, what's like you? Why? Why wouldn't you just pick one? Like, do do you want to wear the PT uniform or do you want to wear the ACUs? Pick one. At this point in time, just pick one. I would rather us get in trouble for you be wearing the wrong uniform, but it actually be the full uniform than like have two different uniforms merged together like some weird army fashion designer. Like, stop. Like it was the most unbelievable thing. I that right there was probably because he looked like like when he got in trouble, he looked like he didn't realize that you weren't supposed to do this. It was like like there's no way you're that dumb. Like there's no way. Like this has to be real. Like oh I was like, dude, you have to be mess like you have to be messing with this. Like there no. Like you this can't be like you did this on purpose. You did this just to get us in trouble. I know you did. And hell no. He did he didn't realize that it was wrong. And oh my God. I don't know if it was because I went in later into the military and like I had some like you know common sense, but oh my God. I was like, what? There's no way this is real. This is this is I'm still dreaming. That's what's happening. That's what this is. Like, oh my God. I was I was blown away. And I was the I was the person who was in charge at the time. So I got in trouble too because of it. I was like, what? What? Like what kind of, like what, what did you just like with, with that would you like just would you guys like get written up or would you just uh Yeah, so I got pulled into the drill sergeant's office and he was like, listen, like my drill sergeant was really cool. Like me and him were about the same age. Um he was really cool. And so we, I got pulled in the drill sergeant's office. He's like, Hey, Sting, listen, dude, like, what is happening? What happened with this guy? And I was like, I was like, drill sergeant, honestly, like, I, I have no words. Like how I was like, there's no way that you're that stupid. I feel like he did it on purpose. And he was like, he's like, dude, honestly, he said, pacing, honestly, this probably isn't the worst thing that I've seen. I said, but I said, no, you don't understand. Like this is, unbelievable like this is outrageous like there's no way that this is real and uh so yeah of course like i got i got told off by the drill sergeant according to the drill sergeant but it was more of me and him having a conversation trying to figure out what the hell this guy was doing 
But yeah, I mean, it really all depends. Like if you're respectful to the drill sergeants and you treat them with respect, like you're not going to get like, you're good. Like you're not going to get in trouble. You're going to be fine. Like I never once got in trouble. I never, never once like got yelled at really. It was, you know, as long as you do what you're told, you're going to be fine. Like it's super easy. Like people make it so much harder than it actually is. Like say too, they tell you what to do. Like this is super easy. Like you don't have to figure it out. Like there's literally nothing in basic training that you have to figure out. Like it's all already told to you what to do, how to do it, when to do it. Like what, 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 like, how is this so hard? It makes no sense, but there's still idiots out there. And yeah, yeah, there's there's some people who you look at and go, how the fuck do you dress yourself in the morning? Oh my god, dude, another one. So, a good friend of mine, <laughs> basic story is always the best stories. So another another one was uh, a good friend of mine was in charge of third platoon, which was upstairs. Uh, so like we lived in like these bays and different platoons, um, and there was like like fifteen twenty of us per like per like sleeping area. Um, so he came running downstairs and he was like, Scott, you have to come see this. And I was like, dude, I don't know if I want to, like, I'm already in bed. Like I'm good. And he's like, no, get up. He's like, you got to come with me. He's like, you, you have, to, you have to come with, me. you have to. And I was like, okay. So we had a midget in basic training. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's a weird way to start a story. Anyhow, honestly, but let's, let's take that back. We had a little person in basic training. Uh, and I mean, like, when I'm talking like midget, I'm not talking like, you know, he was short. I'm talking like this was mini me. Like, this is mini me. Like, he kind of looked like mini me, which was funny. But so this kid, so they take our phones at the beginning of basic training, right? They put them in the drill sergeant's office. They put them in this drawer that's locked so that you don't get them until the day you graduate. Because you're not supposed to have your phone in basic training. Like, you're not there for social media and to hang out. Um, but this guy, yeah, no, him and two other dudes decided, you know what? We're going to climb into the drill sergeant's office and we're going to get that shit. But we're going to go through the, the ceiling because the ceiling was like those tiles that you can push up. And then, like, the wall that blocked off the drill sergeant's office was just kind of like a false wall so if you pushed up the tile you could actually see into the drill sergeant's office if you lifted up the tile in his office so they came up with this great plan that while everyone was asleep they were gonna get together they were gonna hoist this midget up into the, the ceiling once he was up in the ceiling they were then he was then going to lower himself down all Mission Impossible style into the drill sergeant's office, and he was going to get a cell phone. His phone, one of his buddy's phones, didn't matter. <laughs> okay. I don't understand why this is a thing. But anyways, what had happened was they had hoisted the little guy up there. He started climbing. The whole ceiling in the drill sergeant's office collapsed. He fell through like onto the drill sergeant's office. I shit you like, this is for real, man. Like this is shit people do. He fell through the drill sergeant's office and like he, 
he unlocked the door and came like stumbling out and was like, Oh my God, man, what the hell? And like, he was hurt. Like he got hurt. Um, but yeah, like he legit collapsed the entire ceiling of the drill science office. Um, so I, I mean, what? Like what? 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 And the work, the best, like, it's only like, it's only like three months. Like basic training is only like three months. So the fact that you couldn't wait three months to get your damn phone, like, and you had to send this little guy up there and then he collapsed the drill starts off. Like it was, it was unbelievable. Like I had never seen so many stupid people in one place. Like it's, 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 it's hilarious. But when it's happening, you're like, there's no way this is real. Like, dude, someone is punking me. Is Ashton Kutcher coming out? Because this is not, this is not a thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's that's a buddy of mine named Gidry. He played for the uh, he played for the Bills for a while. But yeah, it's <laughs> that was the greatest shit I've ever seen. Because like the best part would have been like to be in that office at that moment when just he just when this midget when this midget just fell from the ceiling and just. Boom! And just cracked himself, and oh my god, the whole ceiling collapsed. Like that would have been the greatest thing. Like if someone would have got that on video, it would have went viral immediately. Like would have been the funniest thing ever. Uh, but yeah, I, it never ceased. To Do I? I? I thought there was a height requirement for the military. <laughs> so did I. Well, guess what? You can be an infantryman and be be a little person. Oh, that would be. Could you imagine somebody like in the Taliban? You just see that? They would probably scare the shit out. <laughs> like I don't know if they have midgets. I'm sure they do, of course, but I don't. I've never saw one. Oh my god! If if that if that guy came to my unit, I would give him the biggest gun and make him run around with that gun. Oh, like that'd be terrifying. No and then I'd be like, "This is the cutest thing I've ever seen." Damn, I'm going to hell. People are going to hate me now. They're going to be like, this guy, oh, this guy on your pocket, straight dick. Oh, no. That, this, <laughs> I say a lot of fucked up shit. We're not politically correct here. We're well, not thank politically God. correct here. Thank, well, it's, I grew up saying, you know, the word, you know, faggot and everything else like that. It's not that I hate gay people. It's just sometimes people are being an asshole. No doubt. Um, but, yeah, man, that was... God, man, that was the best one. Like, I would have loved to have been in that office at that moment when he fell through. Would have been the funniest fucking. And, you know, it would have been even funnier if no one knew that there was a midget. Like, if it was a drill sergeant who came in, like, and wasn't there, like, the first couple days. And then he came in and he just happened to be in that office and didn't realize that there was a midget. And then when it came crashing through the ceiling to like the thoughts that would have went through his head of a midget crashing through a ceiling would have been the greatest thing ever. Oh well, my God. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, man. It was just so much stuff that you're like, no way you're that stupid, bro. Like, I mean, you look at it now, like go on YouTube and look at like military fails, people putting mags into ARs, like completely wrong. Like, People like the bullets, like the rounds going in like backwards. Like, what? Like, come on, man. There's no way. Like, they go over, like, they teach you about the weapons and how they work. Like, 
religiously, like literally over and over until you even shoot like fire around. So there's no way that you did not know. It's just unbelievable, man. There's, there's some, God, man. Like I said, you never really know how many dumb people there are out in the world until you join the military. And then you're like, holy shit. Okay. And like I said, there's, there's people that like do stuff that you're like, how, man? Like what? Fucking MacGyver, bro. There's no way. Like, oh my God. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty incredible. I'm sorry, I'm just thinking about you know the midget just crashing through the ceiling. That's just right. How funny would that be if you were in that room at that moment in time? You would have died. I would have died. I would have been like, oh, holy shit. Where's Giant Ox? Jesus right? takes we man. I'd be like, Jesus take you know, I've seen everything I need to see in this life. <laughs> I'm good. Like, I'm good. I don't, oh I don't need to experience anything else at that point in time. Like, I'm good. Oh shit! It was oh. so funny. Well, we should probably wrap this up. <laughs> I, I, uh, I have to work in the morning, so I, I have to be up at two o'clock. So, yeah. Well, do, I would man. I would love to do this again soon. Hell yeah! I yeah absolutely, I'm in. I fucking enjoyed talking to you. Absolutely, I'm definitely in. Oh, for sure. For sure. Especially, did Jay ever text you back? No. Uh, well, that that um, man, he he's on his phone constantly, but when you need to get a hold of him, you never get a hold of him. Absolutely. 100%. Was it, uh, yeah, man. One last thing. Uh, was it you were at Operation Second? Did you meet Jay's, uh, Jay's son, Austin? Yes. Yeah. Well, acts a lot like Jay, right? Uh, I mean, identical, really. It's so weird. It's literally just like Jay. It really is. It's crazy. Like, what? Like, they even kind of look alike, which yeah. is weird. Yeah. Was it, that's, that's what Are we sure it's his son and not his twin brother? I kind of wonder like, that sometimes. It's, it's possible. It was it, but like, growing up, that. That's how Jay was. Jay's not – Jay never turns on or off. That's Jay. Yeah. And just – like, I thought that some of the shit I said with my mouth is bad. Like, my girlfriend would look at me and go, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> and then you see Jay, and he will just say some random shit. Absolutely. And it's just <sighs> – Oh, yeah. There's so many times when, like – he would say something and then everyone would just like, we would be messing around like at the, the deer camp. We'd be messing around, you know, talking shit to each other. And then Jay would say something and it would just like silence the room. They'd be like, oh, wait, what? What? What did you just say? But yeah, I mean, there was, oh my God, man. I mean, great dude. Jay, Jay's awesome. Oh, yeah. All those guys are awesome. I still keep up with Mark. I've actually been, uh, out to Florida to go fishing with him and stuff. So I need to go back out. I'm planning on, I'm working with Mark to try to uh, come back out to the deer camp. So, but yeah. Well, next time you're in Michigan, we definitely need to, you know, link up. We'll do, you know, just be able to actually have a 
a in-person conversation. I would love Absolutely. That'd be awesome. Oh, yeah, man. All right. Well, you take care and you have a great night, sir. You too, man. Thank you. Thanks for letting me be on. Thank you again for doing this. I really appreciate it. Absolutely, man. Anytime. All right. Thanks, brother. All right. Take care.